you know, I hadn't spent my entire life pining to, to meet my birth mother. I thought about it, but it wasn't like so many people on your show that it's really some of the things that have happened have been tragic. My story is not by any form of fashion. I've had a blessed life. So, you know, to, to say that, you know, my life has been horrible till I've met my birth mother is not true at all. But has it been ever so enriched by her? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and you're about to meet Marilyn, who called me from Southeast Tennessee. When she met her natural mother, Marilyn finally learned the story of what the woman had been through as the pieces of 50 years of history returned to her memory. Marilyn admits she didn't have a huge void to fill in seeking reunion, but that being in reunion has opened up closeness with her natural mother that some of her closest friends have waited years to achieve. Listen at the end for the cute story of how her son met his grandmother for the first time right at his own school. You're going to love it. This is Marilyn's journey. Marilyn was adopted at two weeks old and grew up in a small town in southeast Tennessee. She felt loved, never wanted for anything, and had what she described as an idyllic life. Marilyn's mother had some psychological issues that made the women distant from one another. So, you know, that was, that was a struggle, and I really didn't, I guess, realize that until I, I got older and realized that my relationship with her was not necessarily what it should be. So, How, how do you mean that? Well, you know, I, I saw the relationship between my friends and their mothers, and they were close. Most of them were. You know, they had spats and, you know, whatnot, but mm. were, um, were close to their mothers, and their mothers did a lot for them and talked to them about various things. And I, I found myself closer to some of my friends' mothers than I did my own mother. Um, she's, she's a very kind person. I don't mean to, you know... Uh, demoralize her or but you know she just couldn't help what what the situation was mm. and um so you know I, I i again my father was my father was a wonderful man he was very caring and loving was always involved in our lives mine and my brother's life and um you know was good was good to both of us that's really great was your brother biological to them or adopted like you? No, he was adopted as well. Uh, and I can vaguely remember us going uh, to, to Knoxville to pick him up. We were both adopted through um, the Holston home, the Methodist home for children. Um, and that, uh, they adopted me in 1969 and my brother in uh, 1972. And I can remember going to pick him up and... Um, so it, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it's wonderful growing up in a small town, but there's some, you know, there's some things everybody knows your business too. And, mm -hmm. you know, at times a lot of people knew I was adopted. I didn't hide it from anybody, but initially when I was small elementary school age, you know, it was sort of embarrassing to me, but later on, I, you know, I, I felt like that 
it was it was just part of me and um i was okay about talking about it when i got you know up in college and young adult so but you know like i said in a small town everybody knows what's going on with you marilyn and her brother got along had the normal fights that kids have and were both strong students who've gone on to have successful careers but she can feel they're different kinds of people from each other coincidentally He's also reunited with his natural family, but that's probably a story for another time. When Marilyn was in school, she was really involved in sports and clubs. Her parents were involved in the community, and the family had a lot of interests that kept them busy. When I asked Marilyn how she felt as a child about being adopted, she said, Well, I think as a child, I was embarrassed by it because I didn't really understand what it meant, even though my parents put a positive spin on it you know they were they were like well she just your mother wasn't really able to take care of you at the time and you know they put a they never were negative toward her they always showed it as a positive experience but I was I knew I was different and when you're in grammar school you you really don't want I mean you don't want to be different I think you just want at least I did I just wanted to blend in so I didn't I didn't really advertise that but as I got older I, I was more comfortable with it and I would talk to people about it and um, so you know it, it just took some time to realize that it's okay to be different and um, you know it, it was it was sort of it was you know it was sort of embarrassing along with you know when I was around I think five or six years old my mother had to be institutional and institutionalized for a short period of time mm-hmm. and um, so, you know, along with all that, it was just, uh, you know, a lot of, felt like a stigma maybe. Yeah. Right. But, I could see how if you're a teenager or, you know, a young kid trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to understand adoption, then your mother is temporarily institutionalized. And, you know, people, as you've said, in a small town, they don't, they know everybody's business and, yeah. and history lives a long time. Memories are not short, right? No. And I would imagine that um, unlike other folks who can sort of move on from historical experiences in a small town, you everything accumulates probably for you in your own personal yeah. history. Like any one person in town can probably tell a long personal history of someone else there. So I could see how it would be well, challenging to figure everything out in terms of your own. Yeah identity well as the years roll on i mean i'm 51 now you know Mm -hmm. my mother's 88 Mm -hmm. (laughs) these people Mm -hmm. are dying that know all this yeah right right right. um but you know and it really doesn't matter to me now so much i don't that doesn't bother me there's a lot more education and compassion toward people with mental illness and there's certainly more understanding regarding adoption now there's getting to be right Throughout the years, Marilyn said she thought about searching, but she didn't want to hurt her adopted parents, and the adoption records were sealed in Tennessee until 1999 anyway. So, she proceeded with raising her son and growing her business until her father passed away in 2012. Marilyn was close with her dad. Well, he had Parkinson's, mm-hmm. and his he was very active. You know, we did a lot of outdoor things growing up, and his health deteriorated over six or seven years. And, you know, it's just very sad to see him in that state because he wasn't happy because he couldn't move or talk or 
that kind of thing. And it, it was just, it was very devastating. I mean, we were close. We talked about a lot of things, you know, he was interested in, you know, what was going on in my life. And I didn't have that relationship with my mom, even though we, we, me and mother have, you know, I think a great, a better relationship now than we ever have. She, you know, the substance or the depth is not there. Um, like it was with my father. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I guess I longed for that, longed for that connection. So when, when he passed away, did you kind of feel like you had an opportunity now to search? Like it, it opened a door? Yeah, I, I think it did. I mean, I think, you know, certainly I didn't want to hurt my mother, but I, I and I, and I don't, I'll, really, I don't think my father would have minded. I don't, because he was a very, open-minded person and i think he would have been okay with it but it it would have been a difficult conversation for me i think but Mm -hmm. i I just felt like at that point uh that i you know that was something i wanted to do marilyn petitioned the state of tennessee and sent in the requested fee a part of the process she called ridiculous once those requirements were met the state took a while to return her original birth certificate to her her OBC. Marilyn's adoption records had been misplaced over the years at the county courthouse, ironically, just a few miles down the road from her own home. It took the state nearly three years to complete the entire process. The state sent a copy of her OBC with her natural mother's full name on it, identifying information for sure. But they demanded that Marilyn not reach out to the woman until the state had contacted her first. Marilyn, of course, went online and found everything she could about her first mother, who was living in Knoxville. The state contacted Marilyn's mother to see if she wanted to be reunited with her daughter. When they got her answer, the state got back in touch with Marilyn with a certified letter. The le- all the letter says is, basically, we have been in contact with your birth mother, and she wants you to call or text her at this number. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. So um, basically I texted her that night. That was, it was Easter 2016. So I texted her and she was out with some friends and she said she wanted to talk to me and for me to call her at a certain time that evening. So, and I did. That must have been really cool to finally make that connection. Was it weird to sort of look at your your phone as you're texting this woman you've never met, but you're biologically related to? What was that like? It it was surreal. I mean, it was, um, yeah, I mean, I was extremely nervous initially, but, I, you know, the minute I talked to her, I was, I was at ease. I really was. And, you know, just after initial introductions and explaining that I was not angry at her and she you know she's not angry at me kind of conversation but it you know it went on from there and you know it was just it was just an out-of-body experience I guess wow I mean it, it you know something like that and I've tried to describe it to friends it's really hard to be descriptive about that I mean you know that but it it's hard to uh, put into words the impact that has on you. I mean, it, it four years later, it's still hard to describe. I can imagine. And I mean, yeah. from what you've said so far, like, I didn't, 
I don't get the sense that you had a tremendous hole to fill. So for you to describe it as being so impactful is really interesting. Like you haven't really said I was dying to find these people or anything like that. You've you've sort of talked no. about an idyllic life and you know a gap in the connection with your mom, but again, it just doesn't sound like you were starving to make this connection. So for you to describe no. it in this way of being so impactful is really interesting. No, and you know, I've listened to a lot of the stories that your folks and you know, and I, I even hesitated to even email you because my story is not tragic by any form or fashion. Um as some of these folks, bless their hearts, that, you know, come on your show, but, you know, not, I, I wasn't looking for a huge gap to fill in my life. Mm -hmm. And and that was true. I, you know, I hadn't spent my entire life pining to, to meet my birth mother. I thought about it, but it wasn't, like so many people on your show, that it's really some of the things that have happened have been tragic. My story is not, by mm -hmm. any form or fashion. I've had a blessed life. So, you know, to to say that, you know, my life has been horrible till I've met my birth mother is not true at all. But has it been ever so enriched by her? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's well said. Enriched by her. I like that a lot. Marilyn's natural mother got pregnant at 17 in 1969. Her parents went to the family doctor who suggested having Marilyn placed for adoption through the Holston home in Knoxville, Tennessee. Marilyn's natural mother recalled what she could. A lot of that, a lot of those memories are suppressed. I mean, she just really tried to put it out of her mind, to be honest. And I don't think that's unusual from what I've read. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I, it's a painful experience. She really has a hard time talking about that. But sure. she immediately told me who my father was. He was deceased and told me some about him and his family and that kind of thing. And, she basically, he probably never, well, he might have had an inkling about me, but he probably never knew about me because her parents, you know, she never saw him again after that. So, you know, so we talked a little bit about that and, you know, she wanted to know about my life. What did, you know, what had transpired in my life about my parents? She was interested in that. And my, my her parents, my grandparents are still alive oh, wow. and um, I've had an opportunity to meet them as well. but. Um, so, you know, it was, it was mainly about, mainly about her experience. They talked more about Marilyn's life, what had transpired, and where she was in her life at that moment. Her natural mother was interested to learn about her adoptive parents, and she shared more of where her own life's experiences had taken her. They agreed they wanted to meet, but their connection would have to wait. Marilyn's a certified public accountant. It was tax season, and she was really busy. Plus, Marilyn wanted a little time to process everything as their reunion began. A few weeks later, Marilyn drove to Knoxville to meet her first mother at a restaurant. She talked some more about her experience, you know, giving birth to me and that kind of thing. And it was really difficult for her. but To talk about it? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It's, it's difficult now, four years later you know it's still she she it's hard for her to get past it get past the guilt get past the shame you know even though she's told all of her family her friends and all that i mean she's okay with that that aspect of it but it was just the this brought back a lot of memories from yeah. 50 years ago stuff that she had suppressed deep deep deep, deep. yeah 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 wow yeah 
what what did you see when you met her the first time you meet at this restaurant? How how was it? Did you is this a crying moment or is this just like hugs? Is it tell me tell me how it went down? Well, neither one of us are a crier, mm. and neither one of us are big huggers. So, mm. but I mean, we hugged each other and we just talked. And I mean, in one point during the meal i mean she broke down and sobbed i mean it was just and i you know i tried to comfort the best i can but it was just you know it was just difficult for her and and she seemed really even after the meal really relieved you know somewhat relieved by just learning that i was okay and it's you know she's as she said even she said uh not before last when i talked to her she she never thought she was going to see me again Right. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been a, you know, blessing for her. She never had any other children. Wow. And yeah. That's kind of so, heavy. I mean, you're the only one from her. Yeah, I am. I am. That's incredible. Marilyn's natural mother's memories resurface from time to time. So she shares them with Marilyn whenever they arise. She recalled that she continued her high school studies at Holston so that she could graduate. She made a few friends in the home, one of whom played organ at her wedding a few years later. Marilyn recounts what her mother shared about giving birth. They put her to sleep to give birth to me. And from what I've read, and I think she she thinks this is what happened to her, they put, put you in a sort of a twilight sleep. And get induced labor and you birth the baby and you really have no recollection of it yeah at all because of the what the way this is with the drug that they use for this and i guess they thought at the time that that would help you know the mother to move on with her life i suppose yeah so i don't know <laughs> but can you imagine that I, i've heard this story before and obviously as a man i'm can't even relate to giving birth, but I just try to imagine what it would be like to have a child inside your body, for lack of better words, you go to sleep and you wake up and the child is gone. Yeah. That yeah. is unreal. Yeah. Well, it's it's not good for either one of them, in my opinion, from what I've read, and I'm sure you've read lots and lots of stuff as well, but it's just not really good for either one of them. No. And, um, you know, I and people learn. I mean, I think I'm not saying any particular group was better than another, but at least this I think this organization was kind to these girls and tried to uh with the best knowledge they had at the time, did better than a lot of other organizations mm. did with unwed mothers. But mm -hmm. still, you know, ripping a newborn from their mother is probably not good for anybody. No. No. During their reunion dinner, the women shared pictures they had brought to share with one another. They didn't make an immediate plan to meet up again, but they stayed in touch, calling and texting one another for several weeks. When Marilyn's work took her to Knoxville, she would invite her mother to lunch. Finally, Marilyn got the invitation to join her natural mother and her husband at their home for dinner. Fortunately, her maternal grandparents are still alive, so on another visit, Marilyn got the chance to meet them, too. And ultimately, probably a few months later, I met her parents, my grandparents. Wow. And all of my grandparents were, my adopted grandparents were all past. And 
to have grandparents again is nice and you know they they struggled initially because they they feared that I would be angry with them and maybe angry at their self and they worried that my birth mother would be angry with them you know all the common things that and I think they figured out that I'm not my birth mother's not mad at them and nobody's mad we just mm -hmm. need to move on and right but yeah it and progressing over the last four years you know we we talk every day i'm up there at least once a week i stay at her house uh, we we go on vacations together wow uh, where do you go yeah we spend florida <laughs> mainly nice. we've we've yeah we've 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 been on some trips i you know sometimes i have to travel for work and sometimes she'll go with me and uh wow so yeah it's yeah it's it's really that's beautiful wow it is. I mean, we are fully entrenched in each other's lives, and she's met my son, and she loves him, and oh. um, it's nice. It's that nice. is nice. That's really interesting. I didn't expect you to say that you were as close as you are. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of your stories are not. <laughs> they're, they're sort of sad. I mean, I get yeah. their feelings, all of them. I really can learn something from each story you've had on your podcast, but my story's not that way. It's really not. Yeah. Um, and I'm, 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 so. But I'm glad you stepped forward to, to share yours, though, because you're not the first person to say, you know, a lot of the stories on your show are sad or, or something along yeah. those lines. And, and I was hesitant to reach out because mine isn't that, doesn't have that gravity. And I, yes. I need to address that because I don't want people to feel like they should only reach out if they've got a sensational story that's going to be, you know, heartbreaking or whatever, like that's not the goal yeah. here. You, yeah. you have shared some really interesting things here. One that you didn't really feel like there was a gap and that two, after your father, whom you loved very much passed, you felt like this opening of permission to search three that it sounds like your return to your biological mother's life was extremely healing for her. In terms of having yeah. always had this unknown out there, this massive question mark that was overarching in her life, I'm sure, in many ways. Because as a 17-year-old woman who has given birth to a child where she went to sleep one day and woke up and the child was gone, that is incredibly dramatic. And for you to come back many years later and sit before her and tell her you're not mad, I mean, is unbelievable. And these, But I, I, I recount your story because it's your story. It doesn't have yeah. to be sensational for everybody else. It's sensational True. for you. That's the important yeah. piece. And you've yeah. already expressed something that says how impactful this has been without actually saying it. I mean, you did. But what I'm hearing from you is the fact that you're talking to her every day. You're taking her on business trips and you're vacationing with her is yeah. incredible and that yeah is sensational in and of itself so i don't want people to feel like they only have to have this horror story or this fantasy journey like every story is impactful because it's the story of one person's life and what it has meant to them as well as the people around them and i, I don't i want people to feel perfectly comfortable reaching out no matter what their story is so i'm glad that you said that because this is you're bringing home something that other people have said for me. This is really interesting. 
Well, and what, what else is interesting about me is I'm not one to, you know, bond close relationships easily. Mm. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's what a, at least a lot of my friends observe from the outside looking in that, you know, that's amazing that you're, you know, that you're this close to this woman and, yeah. you know, it's taken us a lifetime to really know you. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, that's just other people's observation of this, you know, the situation. Yeah, that is, that is a massive observation, actually. If, yeah. if you're, do you suspect as you look at that and as you've heard people make these expressions of their observations about you do you feel like that connection or or slow connection to other people is in any way related to your adoption i i think it's a combination mm-hmm. possibly of my adoption and you know my mother's uh you know mental illness through the years i mm-hmm. think it's just a combination of those things and yeah. You know, she went through a really bad time during a time that the child and the mother bond together. And, you know, I think we missed that opportunity. I'm sure whatever happens to us in our childhood, as my therapist says, it, it, you know, it, it affects how we relate to the world and how we deal with things. And it just, you know, it it just affects every facet of our life. And, Mm Um, I, I think it's a combination of the two, honestly. So Marilyn's natural mother told her who her natural father was in the very first conversation the women had. Her natural mother knew Marilyn's birth father was deceased because she had seen his father's obituary, Marilyn's paternal grandfather, in the newspaper, which listed Marilyn's father as previously deceased. With the information she had about the man, Marilyn got on the internet where she learned he had married at least twice and had some other children. Marilyn located and emailed her half-brother to lay out the facts of who she was and how they were related. Within a day or so, he called her. It's the only conversation I had with him. I got the vibe that he probably didn't want to talk further, but he, he just sort of gave me a rundown of my birth father's life. And, you know, he said that, they didn't have a good relationship. He had married, he had divorced his mother and married again. Um, he had another half, I had another half brother that lived in Atlanta and we talked about, you know, health, you know, why, why, you know, I was concerned why a man died in his forties, but it was pretty much self induced. And apparently my birth father overdosed or, um, had some sort of cocaine addiction and, OD'd basically. Oh, boy, wow. So, you know, but, you know, a lot of people just said that he was a, a real charmer, liked by a lot of people. Um, you don't know, I don't know if I'm trying to make put a positive spin on it all or not. But, yeah. I, you know, I probably need to reach out to my younger half, my youngest half brother. He's a, an attorney in Atlanta and just sort of see what his vibe of him was. But, yeah. But anyway, you know, I the the family history and the dynamics with his parents, it's not a wonder that he had all the problems he did and uh the family had a lot of drug and alcohol problems his parents did and mm-hmm. That's, you know, <laughs> it's weird that you found out that this gentleman passed 
before his own father. And I could see how that would raise some alarms and some like, hey, hey, I need to figure out like, why did this guy die at such a young age? And and this, while it speaks to the need for medical information, it's also interesting to hear that he didn't die of anything that will clinically impact you. But but knowing that is incredibly important because if you hadn't spoken to this brother, you would have been left out there with... Like shoot, was it heart disease? What is this? Was it that? And you could have driven yourself yeah. crazy trying to figure it out yeah. on your own. So yeah, wow, yeah, it is. Really well, and I, the great aunt that lives down in Florida, she was even almost hesitant to tell me what old, and she loved him. I mean, you know, everybody says he was just a great guy to talk to, real fun, loving. But she, you know, she was hesitant to tell me that. And I could hear her husband in the background. Don't tell her that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm like, please tell me the truth. Yes. I want to know. It's okay. I can handle it. So uh, anyway, it, yeah. um, it, it's good. It, you know, it's good that I have found some answers related to that. Yeah, for sure. Can you go back for a minute? You said something really nice about your own biological mother really loving your son. Tell me about how you shared your journey with your son and and what it was like for him to meet her. Well, this was interesting. He was in school in college up at University of Tennessee, Knoxville. And she worked on campus. She was like an administrative assistant to the bookstore manager. And so I, I sort of shared with Max his name's my son's Max, what was going on and that I had been in contact, you know, and he was sort of fascinated by it all. He knew I was adopted, but really hadn't, you know, as, as teenagers and young adults are, they're not really, they're all into themselves at that point. But <laughs> so he, ent- he listened intently and he said, well, I think I'm just going to go over to the bookstore and talk to her. Well, and I'm like, mm, I don't know that that's a great, well, he did, he did anyway. Of course he, he just did. went over there and introduced himself. <laughs> oh my and gosh. It's like no big deal. And I, I think she was in shock and he was too. So anyway, it it's all worked out well. I mean, she, uh, he would go over there and visit her from time to time while he was in school up there. And he still, during football season, he'll come up to Knoxville to see her. And That is crazy. So she was working yeah. on campus where he was attending college. Uh, yes. And he yes. just walked up and was like, Hi, I'm Max. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, the the funny thing is that she's five feet tall flat. She's very short, five feet tall. And my son is six five. Jeez. So it was yeah, I think she was in total shock that I had a child that large. <laughs> oh so. my gosh. Anyway. That's incredible. Wow, Marilyn, thank you so much. This is really fascinating, and I'm I'm so glad you reached out because your underestimation of what your story might be received as has been, it's fascinating to me, Um, and I'm really glad you did, and I hope that other people who hear this will say, yeah, I've got a story to tell too. This is is really cool, and I'm so thankful that you and your natural mother found this bond that has brought you closer to anybody else in your life. I think that's just, that speaks volumes right there i think it's so cool yeah i do too and i i enjoy your podcast i've read your book and your story and um so it's great that you're doing giving people an opportunity to talk about that thank you so so much well i appreciate you being here all the best to you okay take care have a great weekend 
You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Marilyn said she's seen pictures of her natural father, and she thinks she favors her first mother, but she can see pieces of him too. I thought it was fascinating to hear her say that she didn't have a gaping hole in her life that needed to be filled, but that reunion was impactful to her and her first mother. Like I told Marilyn, I was glad she contacted me to share her story because we all have a little something in our journey that will resonate with someone else or that they can learn from. Your story doesn't have to sound like a blockbuster movie script to be on the Who Am I Really podcast. We're here to share in a supportive environment that's also educational for others. The truth is, the only person that your story has to matter to is you. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Marilyn's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really or follow on Twitter at really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.